0: Hello and welcome to Meet Him, the newest addition to Virtual Inforum. My name is Terry Barclay, and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Him podcast series introduces listeners to male leaders who share what they've learned about the value of diverse leadership in their companies and in their own leadership journeys. And I am just thrilled that my good friend, Neil Hawkins is joining me today. He is president of the Herb Family Foundation. Neil assumed leadership of the foundation last year after a long and distinguished career at Dow, where he held several global leadership roles. And I hope he'll tell us a little bit about that too. But uh, I first had the honor of meeting Neil because we both served on the board of the Nature Conservancy in Michigan, and he's a uh, leading—he's a thought leader uh, who knows a great deal. His knowledge about the environment and sustainability is simply—it's—it's deep and it's amazing. So welcome, Neil, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Well, Terry, thank you for uh, having me, and thank you for that very warm introduction.
0: Well, I, we're, I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled. Neil. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> so <laughs> so knowing, knowing how crazy busy you are, let's just uh, jump right in with our first question. What are some of the ways men can be good allies to women?
1: Well, I think you have to kind of look at the whole big picture and on a big picture basis, male cultures tend to be tell oriented um, versus listening. And I I think the most important thing men can do to support women in the workplace, it's gotta start with listening and listening with openness, listening with developing understanding at its core, listening to learn, but it really has to start
0: with listening. You know, that is such a phenomenal point. Um, I'm kind of, if you don't mind, can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, by all means. uh, When did you first become aware of that?
1: Uh, I, I don't know an exact point in time, but when I think through my career at Dow, which was 30 years, and then I have this ongoing uh, career in the foundation world. I, I have always said to others um, in mentoring them and helping them succeed as leaders that listening is the most important skill. I'm not really sure when I started to become aware of that. I'm sure at the beginning of my career, uh, I was not a good listener. Uh, but somewhere along the line, <laughs> I determined, I guess, or somebody whacked me over the head and told me I needed to listen more um, and uh, talk less.
0: It's interesting because I had a, a similar experience early in my career. I, uh, when, when I was a puppy, I was always formulating my answer when someone was speaking. And... Um, I remember that I had uh, a a mentor who pulled me inside and just told me to knock it off and <laughs> and that was very helpful <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> yeah that's actually in the movie Pulp fiction uh there's a conversation going on, and the person says when you when you are sitting in a conversation, are you waiting to uh interject your idea or are you actually listening to try to understand?
0: Yeah, that, that's really great. It is, it certainly is a turning point. It was a turning point in my career. Um, but, but that's, thank you for sharing that insight. You know, you have been in, a, well, a C-suite leadership role in a global company. Um, so you've been able to see a lot of different uh, leadership challenges. What are the challenges and opportunities that companies face in being intentional about gender diversity?
1: You know, most companies, especially technical and engineering companies, they really always seem to be starting from behind in this space and playing catch up. And that is a very difficult place to be. So. Even the most sincere companies that want to work this area and the company I came from, certainly that was true of us. But when you're playing catch up, uh, you really have to uh, be very deliberate and think through the challenges and opportunities. You know, recruiting in those situations is very tough, both for new employees as well as mid-career hires. But a company that really wants to make a change, a real step change has to take very deliberate actions. And and these actions really have to align to clear corporate and business objectives. And you gotta be very consistent because people are watching every move management makes in an area like this. But I, I think all companies that want to survive and thrive for the long term have to solve the inclusion and diversity challenge. But doing it from back up um, is, is tougher. Mm-hmm. Back, back uh, from being in behind, I'm sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. Being
1: in behind, it, it's, it's much tougher to, to leapfrog over.
0: Mm-hmm. Th- those, are, those are great points, though, about the importance of consistency and deliberate action. Um, that's important to success, at least that's what we've seen at Inforum, the companies that um, are deliberate and, uh, you know, really do end up moving their numbers pretty significantly. You know, um,
1: and I think, Terry, the, the ones that really succeed approach this as an opportunity to become a great company or greater company to really match the trends in in the U.S. as well as the world, to to land where um, things are going, so really approaching inclusion and diversity as a, a business imperative, opportunity oriented, it's a much better way to approach it. It's just difficult.
0: Right. Right. Yes. You know, I think a lot of companies understand that. They understand the numbers. They understand it from a customer and a B2B perspective. But then, you know, changing that, having that understanding drive different behavior and different choices is, 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 a, is a challenge frequently. So um, that consistent commitment to it is really important. You know, if we could shift for just a minute because you have you are an incredible leader and you have seen all kinds of amazing leaders over the course of your career. Is there one characteristic that you believe every leadership possess?
1: Yeah, I I think there are really two, but I'm going to focus on one. The two are learning. I think having an open and curious approach is really important but I'm gonna focus on the another one, which is authentic, clear communications. Hmm. That is really the sine qua non. I mean, if you can't communicate clearly, that is a very challenging situation for a leader. Um, I had a CEO who once uh, used to say to us that the job of a leader really began with defining reality, but always ended with sincere appreciation and thanks. But both the defining of reality and the thanking of people requires clarity and authenticity. And that is a skill that I encourage employees uh, very early in their careers to work on. So many, um, and I, I come from more of a technical uh, company background, but so many people in their university don't spend as much time on clear, clear communications, but that's really what's so important when you're a leader later in your career.
0: You know, um, I, uh w- was married to an engineer for a very long period of time. And he used to think that he was not good at writing. And in fact, he was one of the best writers that I know. And I think it was because his training led him to be clear.
1: My guess is he also wanted to be. And perhaps, <laughs> and and read well, about it. <laughs>
0: That's true. (laughs) Yes, one has to hope that you don't start out uh, wanting to be confusing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, some of that has to also do with uh, self awareness, Terry. You know, you have to reach a point um, in your professional life, and hopefully, it's before you're a leader of self awareness—what you're good at and what you're not good at—and those things that are essential and critical that you're not good at, you've got to work on them.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: But that starts with self-awareness, and it starts with listening. If people tell you, boy, your communications are not clear, they're not helpful, that's a wake-up call. It's not something to get upset about. It's something to act
0: upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, as Warren Bennis used to say, where you trip is where the treasure lies. So, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, very, very true, very true. So um, you have a reputation for growing and supporting and developing leaders and sort of the next generation of talent. What advice would you give to someone who's going into a leadership position for the first time? Mm -hmm. I think
1: the, the key bit of advice I would give is this, approach it organically about leading, I mean, really organically and not mechanically. And what I mean by that is when somebody's thrown, especially in a large company, into their first management job, um, they're going to have all these HR processes and tools tossed out them. And, and it's really, those are really aspects of managing people and managing performance.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, and I I wouldn't focus there. You have to do those things. The main thing I would focus on in that area is think about bad bosses you've had (laughs) and avoid their mistakes. (laughs) Well, that's pretty direct. (laughs) Well, I I was talking to a family member about that who was suffering through some bad bosses. And I said, hey, this this could be the best learning experience of your career. Mm-hmm. You know, it just approach it that way. Now on this organic side, um, you really need to focus on how to lead people to new better places and learn about your company and learn about the company strategy. Um, And really kind of go up to, if you're normally working at 500 foot, go up to 10,000 foot, go up to 20,000 foot. and, And you understand it and then you help your employees understand their role in helping deliver those results and then assist them in achieving results and reward them for it. But for you to be the leader, you have to understand where the enterprise is trying to go and, and help the employees that you lead see it, understand it, align to it, and deliver it.
0: You know, that is um, such a great insight, and it really is also a great segue to our next question, You know, the Herb Family Foundation is clearly driven by values and vision and purpose. How do you ensure that your organization, whatever it is, and its activities are aligned with core values?
1: Yeah, well, first, you know, any organization needs to be very clear about what its core values and values are. And they shouldn't change them a lot. Um, I think that could be a real problem as well, is changing them. When I think about my time in Dow, 31 years, we maybe changed them once, uh, maybe one and a half. There was a little bit of tweaking and wording, but
0: not often.
1: So that consistency helps employees understand that what they are and what it what it means you have to educate people on what it means and you've really got to work hard Terry to avoid having decisions made that run counter to core values people are watching they notice nothing escapes employee notice <laughs> so you, you've got to make sure it it aligns well and and really really important too Terry if you have new leaders or people who have been hired in from outside your company uh etc that don't align to the values they've got to go mm. you, you can't <laughs> you can't leave them in place if they don't align because it only gets worse then employees question whether or not you're really committed and and that really gets into a lot of these issues and diver, uh, diversity and inclusion and, and real commitment to people and the success of all people. So that's, that's how I would characterize all that.
0: So are there, have you learned, I mean, I guess my question is, how do you implement that? Um, you've, you you know, are, do you have any tips um, for how to approach course correcting if you find that you're drifting?
1: Well, usually when a company drifts in this space, it's a crisis. It may uh, be crisis within the company only, not externally. But uh, when I've seen that kind of thing happen, there, if you have good leadership, They will expose it, talk about it, point fingers at the challenge, not people necessarily, but the challenge, and then educate uh, folks uh, uh, about what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. Some of that's a little mechanical, and earlier I'd said don't be mechanical, but some of this training aspect, (laughs) is mechanical and it's important. People mm-hmm. need to undertake these trainings and do it with an openness to learning. Um, and I, I think that's really important. If, if there have been problems that run counter to values, you gotta attack it very openly because people know there, there is nothing, in a company that you know, a large number of people don't know about. They may not talk about it openly, but people always know.
0: <laughs> that is such great. That is such great uh, advice, insight, um, and uh, an approach. You know, I love the directness of the approach. So, Neil, you are one of the most original thinkers that I know. And so one final question, I'm really interested to hear your answer. What podcasts, books, blogs, or other media do you engage with to generate new ideas?
1: Yeah, I have a a fairly simple approach and one that's worked for me over very long periods of time, essentially a lifetime. And, And I've mentored and coached other people on this as well. What I say is, Pick one, pick one high quality news source, read it every day across all the categories of news. I'm not saying read every word, but look at everything in this high quality news source every day, so arts and business and sports and take a look at it. Look for trends, look for new ideas, new business Uh, ideas, companies, especially look for social trends, because those are the areas that will bite your company in the long run. Okay, but I pick the same one, I look at it daily. And for me, I use the New York Times, I do this every day, um, without fail. And I I get a lot out of it. Um, I really I really think that going that route is the way to go. In the past I've used, uh, in the long distant, distant past, I used to read the Christian Science Monitor, which a lot of your listeners probably don't even know what that is, but it was a news analysis
0: paper Oh, I, th- I think a lot of, well, I, I I like to think a lot of people would know what the Christian Science Monitor was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but anyway. And,
1: and I went through The uh, Economist for a while. Yep. Um, yep. But but if you read something like The Economist, do it the same way uh, I described doing the New York Times Daily, The Economist is a weekly, kind of look at every section. You know, the other... Magazine I look at um, is the New Yorker. The New Yorker has very interesting nonfiction uh, pieces. I don't read the fiction in there, but the nonfiction pieces are very good. Let me let me just give one last note on all this. Um, I, you know, you know me, Terry. I'm very active on social media, but yep, yep. I'm not using social media. For the purposes of what you were asking for, I I I look for I I use social media, but I like to have a single source where I know their biases and their strengths and coverage, and and for me the New York Times, and then I look for other confirmatory things or other trends in social media. But if all you do is social media itself reflective it Mm
0: -hmm. you
1: pick what you're going to look at in social media you're not exposing yourself to broader thoughts and Mm -hmm. so if your goal is to get the bigger picture and stay current you got to pick something that will do that
0: for you Mm -hmm. that's a great yes it's an echo chamber in Mm -hmm. many ways and uh you know I, I i was really interested to hear your response to this because there have been so many questions about um you know the ability of media to even be objective or factual but i love the distinction that you made there about if you pick one source you can understand what the biases or strengths are for that source so that you can always read it with that lens. That's a great way to approach it. Yep. Well, gosh, Neil, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing some of your thoughts. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, this was fun, Terry. Thank you.
0: Well, that wraps up our podcast. So please come back to informmichigan.org for more opportunities to meet him and also meet her, a podcast series featuring women of accomplishment, sharing their experiences and insights on leadership. And while you're there, check out the other virtual Inform components, including a growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and even a series of virtual events. Thank you.